0: Podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition
1: matchups. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter. Live in the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gents, to another episode of living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I'm joined, of course, by my lovely, lovely co-host Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, brother?
0: I Man, not not much. I'm uh, I'm back from the beach after a week, and pretty much, you know, I just I just sat around the uh, uh, the, the shoreline, uh, pacing back and forth, worrying about Jamal Charles's foot. So it was it was a really fun vacation, I think.
1: Yeah, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun sitting on the beach, just thinking about Jamal Charles.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I do.
1: No better vacation than that. I swear, man. Every everything going on in the preseason right now, I I, I swear the football gods are after you. Uh, we the the Dustin uh, at, uh atrocious injury that happened last yeah, night. Bad. Um. That's 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 crazy. I think that you need to stop promoting any tight end.
0: I mean, I have to go underground at this point. I think.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So you did your first your first piece on number fire, which was awesome, and and you you know you had great numbers to back up, uh, you know, a Dustin Keller late round pick, and then Dustin Keller has one knee now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I, uh, I really was was excited about what I found in in the number fire uh, analytics, um, the net expected points. I, I really I really thought that I that I had something there. I didn't know what I was going to find, you know, when I started digging through the numbers, but finding, you know, that, that he had posted, uh, you know, fairly, uh, hopeful, uh, NEP in previous seasons, you know, in, in New York, I thought that, um, that combined with a, with a decent role with the dolphins where really he, he could have been their their leading target, uh, yeah. hitter, you know, I mean, uh, among all pass catchers, I don't think that that was out of the question. So, um, Oh, you know, I guess that's just how it goes. You you get all excited about someone, you think you found something, and you know, boom! There, what is it? PCL, MCL, ACL.
1: All, yeah, I'll go, yeah. I'll go, boom. Yeah, someone like put put dynamite in his knee, and that was the equivalent.
0: I mean, isn't that kind of like a Lattimore situation? From- yeah, I mean,
1: and yeah, and, and it it's it's super. It's really I mean, Heath Miller went through similar. Uh, he he destroyed his knee pretty bad as well last season, uh, which is part of the reason why. Um it'd be insane for him to be ready week one, like like people are, yeah. are hoping for. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean that, that Keller injury is actually a lot I think it's a lot bigger um to fantasy value than than people think. Because just you know, Ryan Tannehill was was a sexy late round quarterback pick. Um and, and you know, Mike Wallace has had a, a pretty bad preseason in, in camp and they're not really overly excited about him, which I can't say that I'm super surprised. Um, you know, and Brian Hartline's Brian Hartline, but mm. I mean, they, they did not have a red zone threat. And we've talked about this many times in the podcast, and that that I think is the reason that Dustin Keller was, you know, somewhat of, uh, uh, attractive as a late-round tight end uh, pick, and now with him gone, you have to think that, that Tannehill's value uh, uh, does decrease a little bit, even though, you know, it's just Dustin Keller.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that Tannehill's, uh, I, I don't know, potential, his upside has seemingly um kind of kind of slid a little bit this this preseason just watching him play he you know there there've been so many negative reports out of camp about his chemistry or lack lack thereof really with with Mike Wallace um and uh, and just about Mike Wallace's uh ability to to be an all-around receiver so i i think you know he's a, he's a guy who i was really uh keen on about you know a month ago maybe two months ago I'm I'm starting to sort of back away from him as a uh, as as a as a foundation of maybe a streaming or a, a committee approach.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Um, you know, another big story right now is that Arian Foster can't get healthy. Man, uh, is he ever? Is he going to play? What is going on there? I mean, are, what do you, how are? You, I know that you weren't necessarily, you know, neither of us were necessarily super high in Foster. I, I just finished my my rankings yesterday. Uh, or yeah, yesterday, two days ago. And and he was my number five overall pick. I mean, I have I think I have uh, um, AP Dougie, CJ Spiller, and LaShawn McCoy, mm-hmm. and then Jamal Charles and PPR over uh, Foster. But right now, it's getting to the point where you know I don't know if if I want to take any of those you know top nine running backs, uh, maybe not counting Alfred Morris. Over you know I don't know if I want to take. Arian foster over any of them given this risk what do you what's what's your feeling towards him right now
0: well I'm, i mean look at the uh, uh foster's turning 27 years old this week so happy birthday Arian, and enjoy your uh <laughs> in, enjoy your your celery milkshake or whatever you drink uh, <laughs> actually no enjoy your wheatgrass right yeah, yeah right right he's gonna he's gonna get uh drunk on wheatgrass for his birthday <laughs> but he's 20 turning 27 which i know is not 30 but Uh, There's actually a really good part, and I'm not going to get into too much detail here, but in uh, Jonathan Bale's uh, newest version of uh, Fantasy Football for Smart People, uh, I was reading that on the beach as I I dwelled on Jamal Charles, and um, uh, there's this really interesting part about how there are really uh, uh, two uh, valleys, or two drop-offs in a running back's career, in a typical running back's career which is um after 20, their 26 year old season and then after the 30 year old season or at at the 30 year old season. So a lot of people uh kind of, you know, have this misconception that the um the running back is a running back is a running back until so he's 30 years old, but there is a drop off before 30. Uh and you know, the, Foster is right at that age. Uh that that makes me nervous the fact that he has uh, this is un- unbelievable to me. Uh, more than eleven hundred touches over the past three seasons, yeah. uh, which is three hundred and seventy-two a year. Uh, that 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 workload. I mean, twenty-seven years old, three hundred and seventy-two touches a year for three years. Uh, is it a, is it a shock to anyone that he might be wearing down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I I, I definitely I, I see I see the reason to now be afraid.
0: Yes, and and I I can't like I have a draft tomorrow. Um, with some industry guys and and I I can't, I couldn't take foster unless he fall and unless he fell significantly I I haven't really thought about how far yet but yeah. but um you know I'm I'm taking basically 10 running backs before Arian Foster right now and and because of that uncertainty I mean I heard the word indefinitely
1: yeah. today
0: and and that that's that's you know ignore indefinitely at your own risk
1: yeah. I, uh, I actually, I'm doing that, that war room expert draft. It's a 16 team draft and I had the five spot and I now, unfortunately, I took foster at five and I, and when I did, it was, you know, about a week ago, I would say, mm-hmm. um, I felt fine about it and I actually felt good about it. And mm-hmm. then I, so it's a 16 team league. So I usually go RB, RB, RB in, in a 16 team draft because, um, running back, it's so, so scarce so quickly. So you know, I got Frank Gore in the second, and then I actually I think I got a wide receiver. I think I got like Roddy White or something like that. And then I ended up getting Eddie Lacy. So fortunately for me, I do have a decent RB three. That you know, if something does happen to Foster, I'm not totally totally screwed. But I already am regretting that choice.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, a week ago things were 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 much different. I would have taken him at five or six, yeah. too. But I just think now, if your draft, you know, listeners out there. If your draft is is coming up in the next uh, day or two or three or in the next week, um, I would be very careful about just plugging in Foster as a as a top five pick or even even a top ten pick at this point. Just you know, be be wary that this this could be you know more than just a sore back or or you know a, a leg issue that'll clear itself up after a few weeks.
1: Yeah, totally. Well. Uh that's kind of the the two big things that you know news wise that we just wanted to touch on before we we get into the meat uh and potatoes of this this actual podcast which is um we're going to we're going to focus on some late round quarterbacks and um you know obviously this is something that we're both very passionate about I'm super passionate about you know, uh, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I was... That sounds so bad, though, that I'm passionate about late round quarterbacks.
0: No, no. Hey, actually, a uh, fantasy douche had a funny thing about. Uh, he's going to one up you with uh, uh, the waiver wire quarterback.
1: Nice. Or, nice. Or the
0: other day, Did, didn't he? Didn't he tweet that?
1: I don't know. I, he didn't tag me in it, so I didn't see it. But that's that's pretty funny. He, yeah. yeah. Him, him and I, him and I, have gone back and forth all off season about how every position is deep, and it's just the late round everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I would wait on every position, guys.
1: Just trade it yeah. down. Just keep trading. Just down. keep trading down. <laughs> don't even don't even worry about your picks between rounds one and six. No, no.
0: Just trade down. Stream everyone
1: and and wait on every wait on every position. That's the way to go. Yeah. I'm just joking. So, so, so we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, late round quarterbacks today. We're gonna you know just talk about some guys. We have some Twitter questions, um, but you know I think first we'll, we'll we'll talk about the strategy in general. And obviously we we've touched on this so many times in this podcast and in articles and whatnot. Uh, you know the strategy is to wait on your quarterback, obviously. But uh, at the same time, you know I, I get people asking me on Twitter all the time or mentioning on Twitter all the time. They're like, you know, they're, they're like, oh yeah, I waited to the fourteenth round to get, um, uh, you know, Geno Smith as my quarterback in this sixteen-team league. LRQB would be, or at late round QB would be proud. And and no, I'm not proud. That's I'm not. If I if I was your father, I would send you to your room. It's it, that's not how it works. The whole idea is about obtaining value, and every quarterback has value somewhere in a draft. It's just that usually those elite quarterbacks are overvalued. So if they do fall to you in the fifth round, or I think that I have Brees and Rodgers as fourth round grades, that's fine. You snag them. You take them. And that, that's 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 perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, but, you know, th- this season, obviously, there's 12 obvious quarterbacks, uh, QB1s. And, and it, it, it's kind of nice for 12 team leagues because of that, um, that, that you can be the last guy to take a quarterback and still get, you know, usually it's a Tony Romer or Andrew Luck. It's one of the two. Um, and, and I think, you know, you and I both have talked about it on the podcast that if you're getting one of those guys, it's fine to get one of those guys in round eight or nine and, and, um, have that, that, that advantage in a way of, of having a plug and play quarterback. Um, but, but in a worst case scenario, you can stream and you can get late round guys that, that could potentially become QB ones. And that's what I think what we're going to you know talk about today on this podcast. So Denny, uh, you know, we, we're coming into the pod with with two guys that we're just gonna kinda talk through that we like, that we individually like as late round flyers. Um, so do you wanna start and give give one of your guys and just kinda walk through your, your expectations for him this year?
0: I do. And yeah, I think this is a really good uh a good time of uh the offseason to talk about this because as as deep as we thought quarterback was um, it's somehow some way become i think deeper over the past 2 or 3 weeks or maybe the past month um it's uh it's almost jj as if there are a lot of usable weekly options out there i don't know for sure but it just seems that way yeah um the the guy two two guys i'm going to talk about tonight are uh, um uh, ej manuel from buffalo and uh brandon weeden from cleveland now i know i know about manuel with the knee and the minor surgery, or the very minor surgery, whatever they're calling it, and that he might be in, in doubt for week one. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's sort of a, an asterisk here. And it's, it's really unfortunate because, uh, uh, again, uh, I spent a, a really large chunk of time researching and writing an article about Manuel for thefakefootball.com. And then, as soon as I tweeted it out, the Buffalo Bills Twitter account tweeted out that Manuel had the surgery. So that was oh, fantastic. that's
1: that, that's weird. You're connected to an injury of an NFL player.
0: It's so weird. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: uh, it happens uh, all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, what incredible! So, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna try not to get back in the shower and start crying uh, again. That's good. So instead, what I'll do is I'll tell you a little bit about. How manual, even if he doesn't really perform at this elite level, you know like like an r g three last year or a cam Newton uh, the year before um, uh, he still can maintain really uh nice value, especially for the i think he's the nineteenth quarterback going off the board right now mm-hmm. um, uh because of the incredible uh um, up tempo uh... bills offense i mean they ran ninety one plays in their first preseason game at, uh, against indianapolis and um i think it was eighty five or eighty six plays offensive plays uh... last week in, in their game where kevin cobb started and emmanuel came in a little later mm-hmm. uh... that that's that is an insane amount of plays just to give you an idea uh... how of how how many plays that is um, the five most uh, up-tempo offenses from last year. So you know you're, you're talking about um, the uh, Patriots, the Lions, and three other teams. I can't remember right at the moment. Yeah. They averaged sixty-eight and a half plays per game. Averaged, okay. Ooh. Now that's uh, the, that's the top five from last year, and the Bills are putting up eighty plus, ninety plus in their first game. Th- that that can really. Uh, Provide a cushion for Manuel, um, even if the bills go run heavy. And in in the uh, uh, fake football article um, that I uh, that I wrote about Manuel, I I had him you know in this in this uh, scenario, I had him perform um, at the average per drop back uh, fantasy uh, point uh, total of a QB two from last year. So what I did is I averaged out all of those uh, fantasy point per dropbacks of QB twelve to twenty four. It came out to um, 0. 0.46 fantasy points per drop back. Now I know I'm getting a little wonky here, so stick stick with me, everyone. Um, but and if if Manuel can perform at that QB two level, which I think I think that he's shown himself capable of in his limited action, um, and he's got and, the and,
1: weapons. He's got the weapons to be able to do so.
0: Absolutely, yes. I, I mean, he has. It, this is going to be an offense that. Um, I think can can put up a lot of points. Now, I think that their the 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 their level of of defense and perhaps they they could have a pretty bad defense could actually help the offense's um, fantasy value. But uh, anyway, if uh, Manuel can perform at that level, um, and uh, and the bill and the Bills run, um, you know those sixty eight average sixty eight plays a game, which actually seems kind of low at this at this moment. It, it might not be, but it seems low. Um, then you know he can actually post upwards of 280 fantasy points um, which would put him right in that in that low end qb1 range and I, I know that that's the most optimistic um, uh, viewpoint of manual but it's really good to know that from just from my estimation and calculation that 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 exists that that's in the the range of of possibilities for uh, for this rookie. Um, you know, what it's QB 17 is also in that range, but even that, it, you know, if you're taking him way, way, way down in the draft as a flyer, then, you know, what is that? Is that going to, is that going to kill you if you use him as a streaming option? Absolutely not. I, I think that he has a, a ton of upside and that crazy, insane Doug Maroney offensive pace is really going to serve him well. It, it, it instantly raises his fantasy floor.
1: Yeah. I, I'm I'm looking at uh, ADP data right now, and he is the 24th, according to fantasy football calculator, the 24th quarterback off the board. Wow! And the only uh, guys that are actually being drafted uh, behind him uh, are Ryan Tannehill and Phillip Rivers. And and as we said, Tannehill's ADP is dropping because of his because of Dustin Keller, and then obviously Phillip Rivers not only gets uh, destroyed on every play but he has me and you catching passes Right. so right. Exactly. so i mean that 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 is what we're, we're talking about a garbage man playing quarterback and philip rivers and ryan Tannehill, who has only been playing quarterback for five years
0: yeah listen i i have i think Manuel w- w- should be drafted well above those guys and, and many others if you're looking for upside in a late round quarterback that i don't think that there's anyone that low with that much yeah. upside not even close
1: yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you, and he's he's I'm definitely growing on him, or he's growing on me. I'm not growing. He's not drafting me. No, he's I'm not drafting him. No, he no. told me he's not. Okay, that's it's good. I, there is a uh, I heard that NFL players are doing a league where they're drafting um, experts, uh, fantasy experts. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm probably a, like a 14th or 15th rounder, hopefully. But right, um, I'm I'm
0: being drafted right after uh, defenses. I hear.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's around where where I'm at too. Right. So so you know like Matthew Berry is usually first overall and exactly. Brad Evans is up there and but I uh so EJ Manuel's not drafting me. Anyway, the uh, you're right though. The, you know the, with a late round quarterback, you have to understand that those late round picks are all about drafting significant upside. And as you just pointed out, there's there, you know he he has that. We it's incredible to think what the Bills could do if they are running eighty-five plays a game, and wow. it's also it's also funny that Doug, we have Doug Marone in uh, in Buffalo, and then we have Chip Kelly in Philly, both coming from college systems. But everyone's talking about Chip Kelly, and no one is talking about Doug Marone and the amount of plays that they're going to actually that, run mm-hmm. uh, in, in Buffalo this season. It's as if it's as if you know Chip Kelly is is this this it's almost like he's bragging in a way. Yeah. Uh, And Doug Marone's just kind of sitting back and he's like, Hey, I'm doing the same type of thing in, in in Buffalo and we might even be better at it.
0: Yeah. I I think, I mean, if you watch those games and I I really encourage listeners out there to take a look at, at at least the highlights of of those bills games, they play fast, man. I mean, they, I don't think I've seen anything like that on, on the pro level. I mean, the Patriots played fast at times last year, but this is, is a, is a is a more consistently just frenetic pace. It, it's really, it's really crazy. And and you know, part of my analysis of Manuel looked looked at if the if they ran a 50-50 pass run split, which is incredibly run heavy. I think only one team last yeah. year had that kind of split. I think that was the Chiefs, okay, because they basically couldn't do anything through the air. So uh if they if they have that, he still Scores almost 250 fantasy points uh, just just yeah. if he can perform at that QB two level, which I really am confident that that he can.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, and and you know I'll I'll get into to Michael Vick now because he's on my list as a late round f- guy to to potentially snag uh, in your draft for the same types of reasons because not only is is he going to get probably more uh, um, you know attempts this season given the offense that he's in. But we all know his upside, and we know what he's capable of doing. The one caveat with that is that his adp is rising and um, you know if we if we were to compare the two, um, I think that the better value in drafts is e j manuel right now michael vick is is actually the fourteenth quarterback t- being taken, and he's being taken in the tenth round he is um, he is now above uh, Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer, and Ben Ro- Ben Roethlisberger has been dropping. Uh, he's he's down to to the 12th round and the number 17 quarterback, which I see is, is pretty good value. But, um, you know, Michael Vick, if there are, you know, I guess more casual leagues are probably going to take him earlier because it's Michael Vick. But there could be some leagues where he drops a little bit, and I, I think that he's a worthwhile value to get late because, um, you know, we, we've seen – what, what he's capable of doing and what he can do. And not only that, but he's looked great in the preseason. He's had a very, very good yeah. preseason. He went like 13 of 15 the other night. Um, you know, he, and I know Jeremy Macklin is gone, but I think that the Chip Kelly offense, um, I don't think that it it will matter as much yeah. uh, with Macklin being out. Um, and Deshaun Jackson's looked great as well. He's a guy, Deshaun Jackson's a guy that I've been more and more high on every single day. Uh, but, but Vic, um, you know, if he does, if he does fall a little bit, although it's it's trending upwards, so I can't necessarily advocate getting him at his current ADP. But if he does fall, you know, he he does have the kind of upside that you want in a late round quarterback.
0: Yeah, I I think that you know just just from an eyeball test point of view, which I really don't like to you know judge my um, uh, you know j- judge my draft picks and, and judge my analysis on on that sort of eyeball test, but. He just Vic looks more confident. He also looks he more, more more willing to take what's there, and and by that I mean there were some dump offs that he had um, in their uh, preseason game against Carolina that yeah. were really I mean they ended up being really effective. I mean if you can if your quarterback can just dump the ball to a wide open Lashawn McCoy every every yeah. uh, you know every once in a while that's not a bad thing. I mean McCoy as as everyone knows now looked amazing just just like he did before that concussion last year um, just like he did in 2011 and uh, so if if Vic can keep that up and stay upright uh, which actually I don't know if you saw it JJ but he did have a a play near the goal line where he was going in and and he was tackled by two guys and one guy just slammed Vic's head against the turf
1: yeah
0: and it looked like Vic was uh, str- struggling a little bit, and that just yeah. you know that I think that makes all of us kind of wince and be like, ah oh, man, that, it's 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 him, you know, it's it's that guy who uh, just cannot fall, you know, can't fall right. Right. Well, whatever yeah. it is, his size, his running, his, his running style, whatever it is. I mean, he just he is he is, does have that risk, and I think that the fir- the further Vic moves up the draft board, the less. That risk is kind of built in, baked into his ADP. That makes me a, a little nervous, but I, I, I agree with everything you said on him as far as his his ability to you know prove uh, uh, prove a value.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing to to keep in mind with the Eagles this year, two things actually. So we know the Chip Kelly offense is 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 an up tempo, lots of plays, uh, but but don't mistake that, in uh, it's it's very run heavy. Uh, but don 't mistake that for it being uh, favorable for vic it 's run heavy in terms of the running backs and they you spread the offense out uh, on the field and you you run the ball with that spread offense so you 're able to to have to throw those shorter passes at times yeah uh, but but at the same time uh you know hand the ball off to a guy like LaShawn mccoy so it 's not it 's not to say that uh, because chip Kelly is there, Michael Vick is going to going to rush for over a thousand yards it 's not how it works. But again, on the other side of the ball, their defense is looking atrocious, oh. and you know, anytime that you have a bad defense, uh, you know, you you're going to need to score points on offense, and yeah. and that that's favorable for any fantasy uh, player on that offense. So, you know, that's just another another thing to keep in mind with Vic. But you know, as I you know as I was going through this and thinking what who to choose for the podcast, um, I chose Vic just because a I think we need to talk about him and, and talk about his upside. But B, on the other hand, uh, his ADP is is certainly rising, and that is not something that you know. It, it, think of it this way: right now, Michael Vick is being drafted two rounds after Russell Wilson, and to me, that doesn't really that doesn't really make sense. No. You know, the, it, it it's not doesn't seem to be worth it. So actually, less than two rounds. So. Um, you know, just keep that in mind. You have to watch his ADP, but he's an interesting get if you can get him late in your drafts.
0: Yeah, I I'd agree with that, and, and I I do need a little more safety there. If I, you know, I I just I don't know. I can't take Vic at his current ADP. If he falls Res- if he falls around, you know, from where he is, then then I'll probably um, pull the trigger there. I, I do want to mention though, you're you're right, absolutely right about that Eagles defense. They look horrendous yeah they look terrible and and that makes me so happy i mean i I, honestly i mean as a as a as a fantasy degenerate we should all be thrilled to see defenses (laughs) that can't defend anyone for two reasons really because a um you know they're going to be easy to target with with you know with your fantasy players this year and b uh like you said vic's going to have to sling it if um if if they're down by uh, by by thirteen fourteen points all the time, right? right. So uh, so that that's great. And I will say that they start Monday night. They week one Monday night against the uh, against the Skins. Uh, with that Skins running game, with RG three back, I I do not think it's out of the question that the Skins can run for three hundred yards against the Eagles. That 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 yeah, it's a good, yeah. that, that front that front four is uh, i mean they they get they get they're dominated against the patriots they they yeah. look laughably bad so just keep yeah, okay. an eye out for that they could be a really good team to target
1: oh yeah yeah they've had they've had linebacking problems the past i want to say 3 or 4 years now and it's just it's it's not been good it's been a team that you target against whenever you're playing fantasy um so the the other guy that that you um that you want to do to speak about is a guy in the AFC North probably what people would consider the worst quarterback in his own division, but he's had quite the preseason. Um, yep. So do you want to you want to kind of chat about Brandon Weeden?
0: Yeah, and you know I was going to start off here with an old Brandon Weeden is old joke, you know, yeah. because actually I love Brandon Weeden old jokes. Like I I love I actually think I tweeted something about like like brand you know Brandon Whedon is only six months younger than Terrell Owens. Or yeah. like and people were like, No, come on, shut up. That can't yeah. be true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> what? it's like, no, it's not true. <laughs> no, why would why how could that be true? But um and then I just looked at his birthday. Uh, the guy's two months younger than me. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I know like it I know it's really reactionary for me to be like, Oh, Brandon Whedon, guys he's you know he's the guy he's a he's a legit fantasy asset now i understand that okay uh but he's a guy who i think a lot of people in the fantasy community um have have tracked as uh he seems he seems in the in what he said this offseason to be more comfortable in the offense uh installed by the head coach uh chud and uh offensive coordinator uh norval turner uh um lo- I love saying normal. Anyway, uh uh you know Whedon uh is playing in the shotgun formation almost exclusively on, on passing downs. Uh, uh in his um uh first preseason game, he threw 13, pa- <clears throat> 13 passes and uh every one uh was in- from shotgun formation. Um that harkens back to his uh, uh college days and he said that he just feels more comfortable uh, in that formation. So that, that's one thing he's got going for him. Uh, another thing is, um, is, is Turner's offense, which has been, has been very friendly to quarterbacks over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think that you, you see that sort of confidence being instilled in, in Whedon. Uh, he also clearly doesn't have a problem with his tight end, Jordan Cameron, who, you know, let, let, let himself be known on, uh, on Friday or whenever that was. Yeah. Um, and uh uh and you know Whedon, again in the second game um you know pretty much lit up the scoreboard 8 to 12 for 117 yards and two scores two touchdown passes against the lions now i know the lions are, are not world beaters defensively but um i just i think that he he has asserted himself as a guy who probably is going to be a, a a two quarterback league uh phenom and you know as as that second quarterback and also a guy who's going to throw a lot of passes uh if you look at Philip Rivers uh under uh uh Turner uh you know Rivers in um uh 2010 threw 541 passes in 2011 he threw 582 and mm-hmm. in 2012 he threw 528 so uh this is a guy who you know if if this if that sort of trend continues is going to be you know something close to a volume passer in an offense that actually isn't all that bad. I mean, it looked pretty good to you, right?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There, it, it, it's kind of pissing me off as a Steelers fan too that the Steelers are slowly looking less and less attractive as as any sort of playoff team this year. I mean, I, th- I still think that we could be surpri- surprise people, but the Browns look good. I mean, their their offense. If, if Brandon Whedon can get it together. He's got Josh Gordon. I mean, Greg Little's terrible, but he's got Josh Gordon, who, who will be back week three. And, and Jordan Cameron, like we've been saying on this podcast, and like and any fantasy expert has been saying, is is legitimate. I mean, he looks like he's going to be. I have him right. I, seriously, I have, I have Jordan Cameron as my tight end eight right now. Yeah. And, oh. and I really am confident in that, just given uh, what – Um, I I did a lot of research on, on Norv's uh, historical use of tight ends and what that means. And I keep comparing Jordan Cameron's situation to that of Randy McMichael back in 2003, uh, when McMichael was a rookie and he ended up being the ninth ranked tight end. And then the next year he was the eighth ranked tight end. Mm. And I think that that Jordan Cameron can do that um, in this offense. And and I think that he can do that in fantasy this year, because there's a lot of of question marks at, at the tight end position. So you know, if you're going to get a late-run flyer, I definitely would get Jordan Cameron. I know that his ADP is going to certainly rise, but mm-hmm. I still think that he's going to be a value. But, but, you know, Brandon Whedon clearly looks to him in the red zone. He looked great throwing in the red zone. Um, and, and I do, you know, he has the, the running game to complement his passing. So, right. you know, I mean, there's, like you said, two QB league. He is perfect. He's not a QB, you know, I would never draft him as my QB one in a, in a standard league. But you know a two QB league. I know that we got this question too on Twitter. Um, I would I would look to him. You know I'm I'm a big big advocate in two QB leagues of going with one stable guy like a Matt Ryan, Stafford, whatever. Uh, but then but then streaming that second position mm-hmm. uh, and and getting a guy like Whedon and you know someone like Matt Schaub, who I'll talk about in a second. Um, could be perfect right. to to have is in that QB two spot. Right. Um, I, so I I do like Whedon a lot, and 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 it's not to say it's you know the 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 AFC North doesn't necessarily have stellar uh, defensive back play. Yeah. Uh, so so it's not it's not as if it's not the same AFC North as old. Uh, yeah. So so I think that he could have a good season.
0: I will say that Whedon just real just briefly here. Whedon does not have the most favorable schedule uh, uh, among quarterbacks, especially about among late round quarterbacks. His first four weeks are not fantastic. He has a nice little stretch from like week five to week ten. And then it's yeah, wow, it's it's brutal down the stretch there. Um so uh I but I think he'll be a really good spot start uh in in standard leagues. Um I you know, I would I would I would love to roll with, you know, a a, a roethlisberger Whedon combo or um you know a a, a Cutler, Whedon, something something along those lines because yeah. he he will have his value. He will have his spots this year where he'll be he'll be very very playable, very useful.
1: But he he's also the perfect example of how the waiver wire you could almost consider the waiver wire as part of your team. So there's if you're in a twelve team league and everyone's starting one quarterback, chances are Brandon Whedon's a waiver wire guy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So you you actually you go into the season you draft one quarterback. You know, that that's one thing to do too. You know, as you're drafting here, you know, if you're gonna go after a late round quarterback, you get your late round quarterback. Let's say you don't get your first one until round 12. Uh, you have a 16 round draft. You don't necessarily need to get another quarterback because you could think of uh, the waiver wire as your bench in a way. So if you know that every team has a QB one that they're really not gonna replace every week, then why not just go with one guy and then pick a running back or wide receiver with upside that you can store stash in your bench. Um, and then just use that wire to get, you know, maybe a weekly Carson Palmer, or Brandon Whedon kind of play. So it's not even to say that we need to draft Brandon Whedon, but I think that, you know, both you and I, Denny, play in deeper leagues usually where someone like Whedon uh, might need to be rostered uh, yeah. in, or- in order to play. Exactly. But, but, but you know, the the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that um, people are going to be, you know, if his schedule, I don't have a schedule, but as you said, the the beginning of a season is rough so um people might be turned off by whedon after after his start especially because josh gordon's not going to be there so yeah. given that you might have a, a different perception if you're listening to us right now uh, about brandon whedon mm-hmm. and and once josh gordon comes back and once whedon starts to have a, a couple favorable matchups you can snatch him up and actually start streaming him
0: exactly yep who's your uh second guy second uh Yeah.
1: So I I mentioned it and it's, it's Matt Schaub. Um, and it's actually, I, that was, again, it was the first piece that I, that I wrote on number fire, uh, when I started there and his, his efficiency numbers blew me away. So as, as some of you guys know, um, one of the big pieces that, that we do, and one of the big data pieces that we do at number fire is this expected points, um, metric where, Instead of looking at raw statistics, this expected points metric looks at how many points a player uh, added to his, his team's output. So it's like, it's like war in a way for, in baseball. It's, it's, a, it's football saver metrics in a way. Um, and, and one thing that really blew me away was that Matt Schaub was a lot better than uh, what I expected. You know, He didn't have a stellar season last year, um, but, but his efficiency was actually pretty good. And I know that that goes hand-in-hand hand with having a good running game. Um, but but still, it was it was fairly alarming, and and what I kind of sat back and realized is that there's a psychology component to Matt Schaub. I feel like you know he's not a very sexy pick right now. Um, he was the I think the 18th ranked quarterback last year, and he was hurt the year before that. But the year before that, Matthew Stafford was really really good. I mean he had he finished uh, 2010 with 4,370 yards and 24 touchdowns. And then the year before that was his best year where he had 4,770 yards and 29 touchdowns. And I think as we're seeing with Arian Foster, um, you know, not being able to, to get onto the field, they're going to have to rely a little bit more on Matt Schaub, I think. And and not only that, but they just got DeAndre Hopkins. Hopefully he's okay because he had a concussion yesterday. Uh, but they just got DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to really play. He's He's probably the only rookie wide receiver that I've, that I've advocated in getting outside of AJ Green, like ever. And, and the only reason for that is obviously because rookie wide receivers don't, don't typically perform well uh, in fantasy until usually the second half of the season. But DeAndre Hopkins is going to be their second wide receiver instantly. And, you know, Matt Schaub, he, he still had 4, 544 attempts last year, which is, which was top 15, I believe. And, and, uh, you know, I could see him getting up to 580 now with this Arian Foster news, if this continues. Mm-hmm. And in the year that he threw for 4,770 4, yards, he threw 583 times. I think that he's able and efficient enough to do something like that. Um, you know, he, he might not have looked as good last season, but, you know, I I I think that vol- the volume should be there, and I think his weapons are certainly there. And if they are going to rely a little bit more on the passing game, Matt Schaub could be a phenomenal late round pick. And right now, as I'm looking at it, he's a 13th rounder. He's the 19th quarterback off the board. I think that he's one of the high end QB twos uh, this season. So if you're looking uh, to stream, I really, really like Matt Schaub. Uh, I think that that he's very underrated because he's not a sexy pick.
0: Right. Yeah. I actually, I'm I'm looking at Schaub's numbers from last year, and and you mentioned his attempts, which really surprised me with your uh, number fire piece a while back. Uh, because that you just think of him as like a handoff machine, right? Like right, exactly. J- j- just turn around and hand it off to uh, Foster and let Foster you know, um, kind of glide behind the line and then explode through it, uh, shop through it uh, 544 times uh, last year. That's only eight times fewer than Aaron Rodgers. And right. I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those two are in the same class or even anything close. But all I'm saying is that if you think that Aaron Rodgers plays in a in a in a pass happy offense, then you know you have to readjust your thinking on Schaub because okay. Schaub threw just eight fewer passes last year.
1: Yeah, and here here's the deal too, which which I think is really interesting, is that um you could make the argument that the reason why Schaub wasn't more fantasy relevant was because he only threw twenty two touchdowns. And and you know, you're not gonna be a QB one unless you're throwing over twenty five usually, unless you're a running quarterback, which Schaub certainly is not. But what this expected points data does is it ignores uh, red zone efficiencies. It ignores what the red zone is. Because realistically, the red zone is very arbitrary. Why the 20-yard line? Why does that matter? Well, it doesn't. What this expected points data is looking at is every yard line, what is the expected point value for that offense to score? And if a player contributes positively towards that expected point value, you know, if, if Matt Schaub throws a first down on a third and 10, then he contributed positively towards the expected point value. So basically, what I'm saying is, it ignores what the red zone is, and it, it ignores what Matt Schaub did in the red zone, uh, which to many is going to turn them off. But at the same time, it shows you what kind of quarterback he actually was, uh, because we've we've put this arbitrary idea around what the red zone is. You know, why is the 20-yard line any different from the 21? It's really not. Uh, and and so I think what's what's attractive about um, Matt Schaub is the fact that. Um, you know he scored so well efficiently, and he only threw 22 touchdowns. Meaning there's there's since he was so efficient, there's opportunity for him to throw more. And and I don't know if you saw DeAndre Hopkins touchdown this preseason, but holy crap! Yeah. I mean, that could be that could be a great great add for that offense, yeah. and Matt Schaub could really really benefit from it.
0: Just a jumper, just a guy, who, just a guy who Schaub can just just look at and, and toss it up between two yeah, defenders and, and just trust him to come down
1: and that's been that's been Andre Johnson's um uh, knock in fantasy is that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns because he doesn't. When when the Texans get close, they've pounded the ball. And and Andre Johnson is a phenomenal PPR guy, but but in standard leagues he gets devalued a little bit because of those touchdowns. Um but you know, it, whether it's his actual ability in the red zone or whether it's the play calling, um I mean that's that's up to you to decide, but I think that in, in a way, the Hopkins edition is going to help Andre Johnson and just help that passing offense. And just, there has not been a number two receiver in Houston ever. Well, I the, mean, there's the
0: there, Kevin Walters.
1: Yeah, Kevin Walter, the, phenomenal, great. I mean, it, like Jacoby Jones. If, does, do we count that as something? I mean, it's it, it's it's really crazy to think. Actually, it's kind of awesome to think about what Andre Johnson has done with nobody on the other side of the field. So, so if Andre, if you're listening, props.
0: Yeah, God, we we wanted Walter to be so good, so bad, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, we yeah, oh, yeah. every every off season it was like, hey, you know, he plays across from this dominant wide receiver, and coverage is going to lean that way, and he's going to be in single. It didn't matter; it never mattered. Yeah.
1: That guy yeah. stunk. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, those are those are our guys. I I have Shop and Vic, and Denny has EJ Manuel and Brandon Whedon. I think we both agree that they're all capable. Mm-hmm um as are many other guys and and that's the thing that I want to get into now is that there are other guys there's so much upside at quarterback uh, and we've gotten questions on twitter but let's let's for about them but let's first uh talk about some of the other guys that are going late uh three guys in particular we got Josh Freeman, Carson Palmer and Joe Flacco. Um of those three Denny, who would you want on your fantasy team?
0: Uh well, you know, I mean Flacco looked looked like he might be on the upswing fantasy wise last year with under Jim Caldwell. Um uh, you know, but losing Pitta, losing Bolden, um, all this, you know, there's a lot of talk and among Ravens beat reporters about um about, you know, sh- shorter a shorter passing game, a more conservative passing game being the way the way to go, um in this new situation for Flacco. I d I, I don't think that he has the um the the upside that that maybe we thought you know at least i thought he might in the winter and the in the spring yeah. um but if i so if i had to take one it, it certainly wouldn't be him i suppose i would take i I suppose i would take carson palmer of yeah. those three because um there's no way that bruce arians is gonna it, if, well I don't want to say no way, but I, there, there's there's little chance that Bruce Arians is not going to throw it a lot, and yeah. I think the Palmer showed at least some chemistry with with Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald uh, this yeah. this past week and the week before. So I, I guess I would take him. It's close between him and Freeman though.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm actually you know I, I I'm not as high as some are on the Arizona offense because I mean I think people. People just associate Bruce Arians with with godlike offensive coordinating skills, and that's that's ridiculous. I mean, he's had Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck uh, since two thousand seven when he became the Steelers' offensive coordinator. So let's not let's not dub him this this offensive coordinating Jesus. But um, I do I do think that of those three, Carson Palmer is the most upside, and you know don't it, it's not necessarily. I think the reason that um, he will throw, uh have a high volume of attempts, is because they will not be able to run the football at all. They, they, that, that running game is going to be atrocious. And Carson Palmer, I think, is going to probably, I, I could foresee him having a bad touchdown interception ratio, but a high volume, and that alone could make him fantasy relevant. But that offensive line scares the living hell out of me. And and given the fact that Carson Palmer is going to be behind it, throwing deep passes because that's what Bruce Arians likes. Is, is frightening. Uh, so I think Carson Palmer is the most upside there, but there's certainly risk involved. And the, the one thing that I do want to say about Josh Freeman, I won't even talk about Joe Flacco because I it's known that I hate him. But um, the one thing about Josh Freeman is that when he's been bad, both in fantasy and real football, his team has been dead last in the league in rushing efficiency, according to the number fire metrics, which I mean, it's fine. You can look at just total yardage, and it would be it would be close to to being as bad as well. Um, but his defense as well has been has been tremendously bad. So I think this is the make or break year for Josh Freeman. If he does not play to a high level at quarterback, I mean, we really could be seeing a change in Tampa Bay next season. But given that you know he's he's two great receivers, he has a great running game. Um, I I don't think that the volume's going to necessarily be there, but I think he's going to be serviceable, kind of like he was last year, but I I'm hoping that unlike last year, he can be a little bit more consistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he shredded some teams last year. Just looked looked great and Yeah, he really did. And uh, was a huge huge disappointment down the stretch. I think a lot of people uh pegged him as a uh as a kind of a plug-and-play starter um at some point you know after after he was you know sneaking up the into the into that top 10 range around mid season um and and you know that just it, it didn't continue like you said the inconsistency is is maddening with yeah. that guy and um uh i yeah, i just i don't think that that offense you know is is going to be one that's really conducive to a guy to a quarterback who can light up the fantasy scoreboard
1: yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And that that's the one thing that turns me off about Freeman is that until we see the consistency, he's not even necessarily a streaming option. I mean, he is, but he's not as predictable, which will frustrate the crap out of you oh, when you're oh, yeah. streaming quarterbacks. Oh, you know, you, you don't want to – you want a guy that can tear apart bad defenses when you're streaming quarterbacks. And Josh Freeman, I mean, he will be able to do that, but at times you're not going to know what you're going to get. And – that's not good. You don't want to slot a guy in that's just going to get eight fantasy points and then you're done. Yeah. So
0: if that, I mean, he had some, he, had, I think he was at, at New Orleans when the Saints were just giving up just boatloads of points to quarterbacks. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Last year. Yeah. And, and I think it was during the playoffs, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so, something. And and he he just completely shat the bed.
0: Just yeah, bed. just shat all over the place. It was just,
1: just everywhere. Josh Freeman poop everywhere. <laughs> 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 it was. <laughs> it was not pretty not yeah, pretty i
0: think along with his fantasy owners <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that day so yeah anyway that that's out of that trio i would i would lean palmer
1: yeah um so we had a couple of questions on twitter i think there's two that um i mean we've touched on a lot of it a lot of the questions that we did get asked um one of them was and, and i kind of talked about this when, when i introed uh intro to us talking to about late round quarterbacks and the strategy in general. But people keep asking me when I would draft Aaron Rodgers or when I would draft Drew Brees and when I would draft Cam Newton. Um I do you want to take a stab and just say when you think you would start to target them in like a twelve team standard league? Um I know you know, there's obviously a caveat to that and that is it depends how the rest of the draft is going. And and I don't want to and you don't either want to lead people the wrong direction. With yeah. this advice and yeah. when we're drafting them, but in general, where would you start looking to draft a Rogers or a Breeze?
0: Right. Well, I mean, and and this does happen in some kind of industry fantasy writer type drafts. Yeah, where, for sure. where where I th- I think people try to LRQB outdo each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like like or I I didn't I, I said that wrong. How to they, they try to out LRQB each other?
1: Wait, what did you wait? Did you say they LRQB the? I said
0: something something that wasn't english i i I blacked out and spoke in spoken tongue sorry about that.
1: i think are you having a stroke <laughs>
0: so I think I, wow, all right well <laughs> what I was gonna say was that oh, i've man. seen that happen once in a while, and um for me you know the the you know rogers and breeze i'm taking you know if they're there on the fourth i'm I'm taking them i think I think you said yep. that earlier is that that's yep. where you see them having. Having value, kind of the bare minimum value. Um, Newton, I'm taking in the fifth. Um, I've, I've taken RG3 in the eighth round uh, in, in some industry uh, fantasy industry type mocks, um, and uh, and I feel great about that. I feel great about RG3 in the eighth. So, uh, really, I mean, there 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 are places where I'm going to take advantage, as you are, um, of, yep. of those top twelve quarterbacks falling now. In in ninety eight percent of leagues out there, that's not going to happen. But if it does, don't be afraid. That, don't don't you know? Um, don't late round quarterback it just just for the sake of it. You know.
1: Yeah, and don't tweet me about it afterwards saying that you did a good job because you didn't.
0: Wait, what, what do they tweet you? Do they they say what? it's
1: just it's it's like you know. I'm I love the support. I love people on Twitter, and I love the questions that we get. I love all of that, but when, A, especially if you haven't even, like, read the literature on it and, like, you know, studied or looked at what I've produced and you say, I'm LRQ being this draft by taking Alex Smith in round 15 and you're going into the draft thinking that, that's not how it works. That's the complete opposite of what I'm trying to tell you guys. It's all about being flexible and getting scarce assets throughout your draft. and And at every point in the draft, a quarterback has value. And to me... I see Aaron Rodgers. I do see Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in their own tier, as everyone else does. Um, and and I think I'm leaning more towards Brees now, just based on volume. And I think the Packers are going to be a little bit more balanced this year. Um, but and they've been they've been actually under like like you just said, they've been a little bit underrated in terms of balance in the past. Um, but I think that it's clear that they're going in in a more run heavy direction. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I have Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees as like a fourth round grade uh but the the problem that will arise is that a typically they will not be drafted um before that and, and b you have to you have to know what's going on around you in the draft and if you know if, if for instance um if they're they're sitting there in the fourth round uh does that mean that I'm going to get them no that doesn't mean that I'm going to get them because there could be other players that I do value uh, a little bit more, or there could be ways that the draft is trending that I need to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm picking the right position rather than going for those quarterbacks. And a perfect example is knowing your league and knowing, you know, if you're in a 16-team draft, which I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm in three of them right now, and I, I can tell you right now the guys who go quarterback in the first three rounds are the ones that are, are really, really going to be hurting once the season starts. Um, I, you know we did a we did a a late round quarterback uh fan league and um we we did our draft uh last last week and the the teams who went quarterback early typically let me i'm gonna pull up the rosters right now just because it'll help uh it'll help drive the point home so I got Sam Bradford in like the thirteenth round of a sixteen team draft as my starter, and my backup is Ryan Tannehill. So I have two guys that I can stream throughout the season, and I think there's a couple guys in free agency I could realistically pick up. I ended up getting Lashawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell um, as my two my two running backs, and Andre Brown, Pierre T- Thomas as two two other running backs. So my running backs in a sixteen team league is aren't that bad. I still have Roddy White as well, um, but the teams who got quarterbacks early um you know so for instance uh one team who has Drew Brees, he has uh his his number 3 running back is Isaiah Pede. yikes and and that's what happens uh you know the guy who got Aaron Rodgers um his 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 number 3 his number 2 running back is Monte Ball and his number 3 running back looks like it's LaMichael James
0: what in the world
1: so i that's what happens when you're in a deep draft uh, and, and you don't go running back heavy and you get a quarterback instead, and I know that's very anecdotal, but you could really go through. The guy who has Matthew Stafford has Belil Powell as his RB2. And, that's, and I now have Pierre Thomas as my RB4, and I can leverage that throughout the season if I really wanted to get one of those stud QBs. So long story short, it's just about understanding how the draft is going, understanding what your league is like and And playing towards that, and not being afraid of getting a guy like you know I went for Pierre Thomas over almost any quarterback in this draft and and that's just because running backs matter a whole of the hell or a hell of a lot more uh in sixteen teamers than ten or twelve leagues or team leagues so that's that's it in a nutshell um, yeah. with yeah. with drafting those elite guys
0: I think uh we in in the uh, number fire writers league uh a draft that uh you wrote about last week and yeah great job on that by the way thank you uh the um there was a point in the draft uh where i drafted um i think it was a keen nicks oh and and um rg3 was still on the board yeah i think i drafted nicks in the middle of the sixth round where i thought that he had decent value and and um and there, there was a t- – I, I, I remember someone in the comment section saying, you know, how, how could you take Knicks when RG three is there? But I, I didn't. You know, that that wasn't. Uh, he hadn't reached my, um, the the level at which I thought he had real draft day value yet. And right. um, I, I was you know s- just stocking up on wide receiver depth. So I think that that sort of mindset can you know can can kind of hurt you in the, in the long run um and kind of uh deplete your um your wide receivers and, and running backs of of that kind of depth.
1: Yeah, I think that if if you guys haven't checked it out, go to numberfire.com and look at the numberfire mock draft article that I did because um not to not to promote myself. I, I mean that because um you can see I think that it was the way a normal draft actually goes. Uh, with with regards to quarterback values and where they're being drafted and, and selected. And you can see um, what happens when you do indeed wait on a quarterback and how deep uh, our running backs end up being and our wide receivers end up being. And that is immensely important once the season starts. And It's so overrated. One of the big things that I cannot stand about this time of year is when people send their lineups to peop- to experts to rate and they only send their starting lineup but but that doesn't. I don't even care about that. I want to know about your depth. That's more telling to me as to how your season's going to go than the fact that you have, you know, a, a starting lineup that that looks flawless. Yeah. And that, that's just that, that one of your running backs is going to get hurt. Um, one of your wide receivers isn't going to pan out. So tell me who's on your bench. Right. I need to know.
0: I I will say uh, if we could just get back to the Twitter questions real quick. There, there yeah. was one I wanted to address here. Um, that I was just looking through um uh one of our readers asked um if there were good um uh streaming combos uh, according to um schedules
1: yeah and you, got, uh, you wrote that piece on that correct That's yeah right. yeah I,
0: I i did uh for four for four dot com i've written a, a series uh now it's i think it's five five parts long you know so i'm trying to get to the um friday are, are, the you, third, try,
1: friday, are you are you
0: th- you
1: know. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you trying to hit like forty six or forty seven in the series?
0: Right, right. Like, yeah, like, uh, like you know, quarterback by waiver wire, part, <laughs> yeah. part nineteen.
1: Yeah.
0: QB lives. I don't know. Um, the, but anyway, they uh, they have a great uh, quarterback by committee matrix on uh, four for four that helps you understand who uh, might be um, ideal. Kind of streaming pairs, uh, committee pairs, and and who who won't be, uh, and they they grade them out, and um, uh, some some uh, that I've found um, th- this might seem obvious, but like Jay Cutler and Carson Palmer, um, which you would have to spend your eleventh and twelfth round picks to get them. So I'm not sure if I'm crazy about that, right? Um, but they have great um, kind of me- they, their their schedules mesh in a really great way because Cutler. Has a not so fantastic start to the year, which I, I'm sure I'm going to hear about. God, I'm just I am not looking forward to the start <laughs> of the year. Um, but anyway, uh, but in Palmer, Palmer actually has a nice, nice you know uh, soft start to the year, and then they kind of switch later in the year where 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 Cutler's gets easier and, and Palmer's schedule gets 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 harder. So um, they're a good pair. Um, uh, Tannehill and Vic are actually a a great pair uh they actually grade out at a um an a plus um wow. in the uh in the matrix uh which um is really rare um just, just if you look through it uh so uh so that that would be that would be fantastic uh they they kind of like i said they flip flop difficult parts of the schedule um, and, um, so if Vic is not, uh, is, you know, is not an every week starter, um, then that might be a good pairing. And, and finally, and that, this is ugly, I know, and this is actually before the emergence of Manuel and Whedon. Um, so, you know, bear with me for a second, but, um, uh, Alex Smith and, uh, Philip Rivers are a good pairing. You know, I wrote that and at, at Rivers ADP of 11.06, I'm I'm not taking there's just no possibility that I would take oh. him there. I would not I'm not taking him anywhere. And and, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I know that I I preach against that mindset. I'm always saying, "Oh, you know, everybody has value somewhere, but I don't think he has value anywhere because the guys drafted after him have more upside, you know, right. than he does." So that it's just it's foolish to me where where he's being drafted. Right. Um yeah. so, you know, that that's something to watch. And I actually just before the podcast, I looked at the the um uh, quarterback by committee matrix on for four for four and I wanted to see if Manuel, which he will eventually have the starting job. Let's just be honest about that. Sure. If he had any sort of good pairing, um, and he doesn't, which oh, man. is a little frightening for me. I mean, I you know it, it makes me hedge a little bit. Um, His best pairing um, is is a is graded out as a as a B minus. And that's with Oakland. With that, that's that's with Matt Flynn. So there's no, there's no possibility that I would that I would yeah. uh, take Manuel and Matt Flynn. Um, and then he has a C minus with with Josh Freeman. So what that means basically is that um, Freeman has tough games when Manuel has tough games, and you know, vice versa, they both have assault their soft part of the schedule coincide. So that's not yeah. not what you're looking for in a streaming pair.
1: Man, you know, one thing that I do want to say, and at least what I've um, done in terms of uh, of pairing, if I am drafting a second quarterback, which doesn't happen. I mean, I probably draft a second quarterback like twenty five percent of the time, and it's only in deeper leagues. Um, and, and I mean, I guess I should say it's a hundred percent of the time in deeper leagues, but I don't in shallower leagues. Um, but but the one thing to keep in mind is that you really need to make sure that either a one of those quarterbacks have a good week one, two, and three. Uh, schedule or B if if you're not necessarily um, one, wanting to dig into that uh, get a guy that's that's proven that you know get a guy like Ben Roethlisberger you know a guy that that you know is gonna have an opportunity to put 20 put put up 20 fantasy points uh, but but is, is a is a proven quarterback proven commodity don't go in uh, not know if you're going to go in with Alex Smith and Carson Palmer, make sure you know what their matchups are mm-hmm. and don't don't throw don't go into it because now you're stuck with one of them during week 1, week 2 yeah. and and that's that could be disastrous.
0: Well, it's just like streaming defenses. I mean, you you're, right, right. you're not you're not going to look you're, you're not going to overlook the first week or two or three because you're looking forward to a week 4 matchup. Um, and, uh, we'll get it, we'll get more into that in the next pod, but man, I I have some, I have some really nice data on, um, on some early season defensive streamers that even right now just look, look, look um, like amazing options, you know, like, like legit top five options. So we'll get into that later.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I think that, that pretty much does it for us with the, with the quarterbacks, um, you know, we like like you know, we didn't we didn't do a podcast earlier in this week because Denny was at the beach. So we did one tonight, and then lucky for everyone, we're doing one in two days with a special guest, Rumford Johnny. Yes. Which will be a lot of fun. And uh I think we'll talk about probably about tight ends then. Um but um so yeah, that, we're not going to rant in this one because we're going to have one in two days where we will just go ballistic.
0: I think are we aren't we just going to have a uh, a forty five minute show with Rumford just talking about Zach Sudfeld? I thought that's what we were doing.
1: Essentially, that's what it's probably going to turn into. We're going to yeah. pick his brain, the the New England Homer. We're going to pick his brain on uh, what that passing attack is going to look like, and Zach Sudfeld. Luckily, he plays tight end, so we'll talk about him.
0: Right, yeah, Zach. Right, and I know he's not a household name yet, but I mean, my first question for for Rumford would be, uh, can the Patriots cut Gronkowski now that they have the new Gronkowski? Is that I
1: think that that's going to happen.
0: Right? <laughs> I think it's a foregone conclusion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's clear, very clear. Um, so yeah, do you have any uh, any parting words?
0: Uh, yeah, not, not much except for that, you know, I, I have a, another defensive streaming column coming out on the fake football. Um, I have two coming out this week, so keep an eye out for that.
1: Nice. And, uh, where, where can they find you? And, and is there, a uh, is there something that they should be purchasing that you've, you've uh, made?
0: It's funny. It's funny you say that. Yeah, well, first they can find me on Twitter at CD Carter 13. I write for Four for four sports dot net and the dot com. And wait, oh, wait a second. Wait, what's this? Wait, I can't. There's someone down here that wants to say hello. And <laughs> it's, it's okay, Xavier. It, no, don't cry. No, I'm sorry, guys. That was my eight month old son, Xavier. right he's upset because you know he wants you to buy my book and i told him that that you eventually would um but if if you'd like to make my baby stop crying it's uh how to, how to think like a fantasy football win- winner it's available on iTunes Amazon and Barnes and Noble so anyway i mean if you like crying babies that's that's your prerogative but yeah then don't buy it, it then don't freaking buy it that's what i would say but if you want to make this baby stop crying then you know, go ahead and uh, shell out that money. So, uh, yeah, th- thank you, and uh, that's that's all I have for now.
1: That's the best promo you could possibly have done. <laughs> if you if you enjoy crying babies, then don't buy his book. <laughs> yes, that's what it comes down to. Well, I am JJ Zacharyson at Late Round QB, um, and you can find me. I'm writing for NumberFire.com, dot com, and I actually I just did a Roto World piece this week for their. Uh, for subscribers on, on auction strategy. So if you guys are Roto-World subscribers, definitely check that out as well. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, Denny, are you ready to, to go meet up for some milkshakes?
0: I am, I am. We'll discuss more more Sudfeld questions with over
1: milkshakes. Yes, let's do that. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple days. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now, it won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out makegroundcubing.com.
1: Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.